Welcome to the Unborn Movement by Words to Inspire. We invite you to be informed, to be involved, and to be in prayer. On these podcasts, you'll hear stories from women and men who tell of the damaging after effects of legal abortion, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Such a dark stain on our nations around the world. The ripple effect on moms, dads, grandparents, and siblings impacts not only this generation, but generations to come. We are committed to also telling you through these dynamic stories about the amazing grace of our Heavenly Father. He offers love, forgiveness, and restoration to all who call on Him. We pray that every podcast highlights God's healing grace. And now today's podcast. On today's Unborn Movement podcast, I'll read a story from our book, Unborn Untold, True Stories of Abortion and God's Healing Grace. The story is number two in the book, and it is called Changing Lens by Lily, not her real name. My dad was a preacher's son, my mom a gorgeous bad girl. They met in high school, and my mom made the first move. They had only been dating a short while when my mom found out she was pregnant with my sister. They quickly got married, and my dad got busy making the money. He worked as a long-haul truck driver, which meant he was gone all week and only home on weekends. When my sister was just three months old, my mom found out she was pregnant with none other than me. I grew up feeling as though my mom didn't like me or love me. I felt like a burden on her, and I believed that she didn't want me. Because of this, I always felt like an outsider in my own family, as though I needed to earn my place. I heard my mom fighting with my sister one day, and my mom said something along the lines of, If you don't like my rules, then you can go live somewhere else. That struck fear into my little girl heart. I believed that if I ever screwed up, I'd get kicked out. I'd already had this complex that I wasn't liked, loved, or wanted. So when I heard that threat, it skewed the lens through which I saw myself in my family, the false lens through which I viewed the world even further. People have different lens through which they view the world. That's why you can have 50 different interpretations of the same message preached in church. One person might feel guilty and condemned listening to a preacher preach, while the person sitting beside him feels loved and encouraged after hearing the same message. Some people have a victim mindset or a victim lens through which they see the world. They believe that everyone is out to get them and all their problems are because of others. My lens was one of an orphan mindset. I did not believe I was loved and accepted unconditionally, that I was unlikable and therefore unlovable. That mindset drove me to either avoid my mom so as not to anger her or to go out of my way to do little tasks for her. Whenever my mom asked us to do something, I was always the first to volunteer. On one particular day, my mom called out, Can someone get me a loaf of bread from the freezer? I was halfway out of my chair to go and get it when she followed with, And not Lily. She said that as a courtesy to me, since I was always the one to do the tasks and she wanted to give me a break. But I found myself fighting back tears. Doing things for her was the only way I had to earn my place in the family, and that had been taken away from me. Sometimes my dad would take my sisters and me on short trips in the truck with him. On one particular trip, I got to go with him all by myself 
just me and my dad. You'd think that would be a dream come true for any kid, but I felt nervous and anxious the whole time. The thought that I didn't belong, that I hadn't earned my place, carried over from my home life to time spent with my father. I felt unworthy to be with him. Can you see the pattern here? How my orphan mindset affected all areas of my life. It was as though I was wearing a pair of pink sunglasses. The lens didn't just affect the way I saw one thing. It affected how I saw everything. Feeling unloved and unwanted followed me my whole life. As I got older, I started to wonder why I always felt that way. I searched for some distinct memory that told me, this is it, this is the reason, and yes, there were painful memories, but nothing that felt traumatic enough to cause such strong feelings. I couldn't make sense of it, especially since my parents had always told me they loved me. When, when my mom told me that, though, I honestly believe she was only saying she loved me out of duty. It's socially unacceptable to tell your child that you don't love them, even if you don't. So you say the words because it's the right thing to do. I actually believe that was what my mom thought. My sisters did not have the same experience I did growing up. I talked with a couple of them about this, and they said they always knew they were loved, even when things were bad at home, which they often were, since the home I grew up in was a dysfunctional one. Even so, they knew they were loved. In contrast, I distrusted people. I never allowed myself to be vulnerable with my friends. I wouldn't even open up to my best friend growing up. I tried hard to be a good listener and to be a friend others could trust, but I never trusted anyone enough to be transparent with them. As a young woman, I became promiscuous. I craved the attention men gave me because it made me feel someone really wanted me. For a few fleeting moments, I could believe that I was loved, even though I knew those guys didn't actually love me. It did briefly fulfill my need to be loved, but it was a horrible substitute for the real thing because it left me feeling more unloved and the giant hole in my heart only seemed to grow larger. When I was 22, I met the man who would become my husband. When we were dating, he pursued my heart. It took a lot of pursuing because I didn't trust anyone and I opened up to no one. But this man saw me for who I truly was, not how others saw me, not how I saw myself. He saw me, as he put it, through God's eyes. And it was through that persistent love that I finally started to see myself through God's eyes too. We married when I was 25. The first couple of years were hard, mostly because of all my baggage. I had open, festering, emotional wounds that caused me to strongly overreact when my husband would say or do something that touched one of those wounds. But even though those first couple of years were hard, they were still the best years of my life up to that point. For the first time in my life, I knew I was loved. My wonderful husband proved that to me over and over again. I knew that no matter what I did or said, he loved me. I felt more fulfilled than I had ever felt before, even in the midst of all the fighting. When you choose to see the gold instead of the dirt in someone, like my husband did, miracles happen. Our second year of marriage, we did the School of Biblical Studies with YWAM, a super intensive course in which you basically write your own Bible commentary by the end of the year. While there, I met a wonderful young woman named Sheila, who asked me to hang out with her one day. 
I was very nervous because other women have always terrified me. As we walked and talked, I found myself warning her about me. I told her that people tend to be scared off and hurt by me because I'm straightforward and blunt. I was trying to push her away like I had pushed all women away because I was so afraid of letting them get close to me and then being rejected. I was scared that they would see me for who I really was, this unlikable person with a terrible personality. When I was a kid, my dad had told me I was selfish and that was part of my personality, part of who I was. I believed him. I thought that God had given me a selfish personality and there was nothing I could do about it. He also told me I was just like my mother and I was pretty sure that neither my mom nor my dad liked who my mom was. If I was just like her then, well, you get the picture. Sheila told me that God had pointed me out to her one day. God told her that I was on a journey of healing and he wanted her to walk alongside me. Sheila did indeed walk with me. She began pursuing my heart just like my husband had. What a beautiful picture of God's love for me. He kept sending people into my life who pursued my heart. People who dug deep, asked a lot of questions and waited for me to answer. Until that point in my life, I had never allowed myself to be broken. My mom had gone through many painful experiences in her life, so any time I felt hurt growing up, I shut down those feelings, reminding myself that they paled in comparison to hers. She was the one who had a reason to be hurt, not me. Sheila asked wonderfully probing questions that got me to not only open up, but also to see that I was indeed hurt and broken. That was the first step, acknowledging that I was broken. Over the next nine months or so, Sheila would schedule time with me on a regular basis. She always asked those deep questions, and I always felt like a million broken pieces lying in front of her. But what a wonderful thing it was to be broken with someone and to feel safe. With Sheila, I didn't have to pretend everything was fine. I didn't have to have my guard up. All the defenses would come down. That was a major turning point for me because I learned that women don't have to be scary and that it's good to open up and be vulnerable with people. After that, I began seeking out mentors and counselors. Those people didn't bring complete healing, but what they did do was help me to reprogram my thinking about being transparent with people. I began to feel comfortable opening up and being vulnerable. My husband and I had been home from Bible school for about a year when I got a call from my aunt. She said she had a family cookbook she wanted to give me, so I went to her place to pick it up. She asked me how my family was doing, and I shared with her that I hadn't seen my family in a while because I was taking a break from them to find inner healing. As we talked further, she shared something with me that changed me forever. She said that my parents had planned on aborting me when they found out my mom was pregnant with me. My aunt brought this up innocently because she'd been told that my mom had already revealed that truth to me, but my mother had never told me that. It was the first I had heard it. As soon as she told me, I broke down crying. All those thoughts that had plagued me my whole life about feeling unloved and unwanted came flooding back into my mind. They taunted me, saying, See, you were never wanted. You were never loved. Right from the start, it was all true. But then something amazing happened. It was as though the voice of God pierced through all those dark voices and revealed them for what they truly were. Lies. 
In that moment, everything suddenly became clear. This was why I had always felt unloved and unwanted. I did some research and found out that it was a common phenomena when a person's mother wanted an abortion but couldn't get one or tried to abort the baby but failed and the child was born alive. That person felt unloved and unwanted by his or her mother, even if she turned out to be a wonderful mother who loved her child. I finally had my answer as to why I always felt unloved and unwanted, but the truth was that I always had been loved. Whether or not my mom had loved or wanted me, I was loved because God loved me. God wanted me. All of heaven celebrated the day of my birth, the day of my conception. My mom loved me too, which is why she decided not to go through with the abortion. But even if she hadn't, no matter what the circumstances surrounding my conception and birth, I had always been loved and wanted. If you are reading this, and you have felt rejected and unloved, I'm here to tell you that that's not true. If no one else was celebrating your arrival into this world, God was, and all of heaven with him. You are loved. You are wanted. You are valued. Finding out about the intended abortion helped me to understand why my dad believed I had a selfish personality. When a child feels unloved, they basically go into survival mood. The child believes that no one has her back, so she must look after herself. A child can only give something if it has first been given to them. Children who have not received love cannot give love because they don't have it in them to give. The emotional and spiritual wounds I carried around had been incurred before I was even born, so I was in survival mode right from the start. It makes sense that my father thought selfishness was part of me, I was always looking out for myself and not others, since I believed no one was looking out for me. If you were a mother and you considered aborting your child, I hope that my story doesn't make you feel ashamed. That is not my intention in telling my story. You are forgiven, you are loved and accepted, and you can boldly go before God the Father, unashamed. Father God loves you and never wants you to wallow in shame. If you've ever felt guilt or condemnation, please know that it was not the Father God placing those feelings on you. He wants to set you free from those things. You are loved, you are valuable, and you have great worth. No matter what happened in your past, you are worth the sacrifice of Jesus. And that is the end of Lily's story. As we close off today, I invite you to be part of the Unborn Movement. There are several ways to be involved. Why not join the Unborn Movement Facebook page, get involved in a local pregnancy center, or start the conversation in your church, providing a safe place for stories to be told. For there is a lot of pain in the pews. Find out more about our ministry at wordstoinspire.ca or contact me, ruth at wordstoinspire.ca. Until next time, I'm Ruth Coggill for the Unborn Movement. Bye for now.